This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Hey, there is never a bad day to talk about mental health, but um, maybe if you're a team that got stomped into a record pace, uh, maybe you need a little more than, than usual. So uh, on our Mental Monday, we have our friend Dr. Rick Priya joining us. For our checkup from the neck up, you can find uh, his website at think14u.org for the number there, think14u.org. And thanks for for joining us, Dr. Rick. The Denver Broncos, at least mathematically, the last last 99 teams that have started 0-3, only one has made the playoffs. The Denver Broncos now are giving up the most points in the league, the most yardage in the league. They're probably not going to be the second. So now you have 14 games remaining. You had a new head coach who said that if they weren't a playoff team, he'd be upset. Your team has basically had a three-week-long face plant in which each successive loss has been more embarrassing and more frustrating. Your season when it comes to playoffs is probably over. And you have 14 games left. For the coaches, for the players, how do you keep this thing from turning into 53 guys, 53 cars? Yeah, that's a really good question. Thanks, guys, for having me. It's great to be here on Mental Mondays where you get your checkup from the neck up. So, again, I come at this from a psychological standpoint versus, um, you know, X's and O's. And the one thing I, I saw yesterday was I saw a team that is not highly motivated, is not highly driven, is not, you know, their run fits on defense, you know, their gap integrity, the gap responsibilities is not there. And they know how to do it. 24 missed tackles. Yeah, they've been trained to do it. They've been trained to tackle. Now, you know, you've heard me say this, Sandy, many times. The the way they run practice now, they don't tackle anymore. So tackling is going to be bad league-wise, and I get that. But what I'm talking about is just basic gap integrity, and that's just A, A, B, C, D gap responsibilities. And they have that, and they've been coached to do that. And, uh, and you know, by the way, I know Vance Johnson – well, we're Vance t- Joseph. You're doing what I, I did. Did right I say there. Vance Johnson? Yeah. <laughs> it's contagious. It's contagious around here today. <laughs> Thank you, Vance Joseph. Um, we were together in Miami for for a year and a half. So I've been around him, been in his room. Um, I just think they really need to understand the the neck up, the psychological aspect yeah. of this. Because what your your questions are really good, one, Sean. Because it, it's not so much a physical thing. They've got to keep this together mentally and emotionally with each other. Stay as a team. And, and you know, right. these, they got to remember these are professionals. They're getting paid to do a job, and they need to do their job. And VJ needs to understand, okay, i got to be able to motivate them in a way so they play at least to their potential so we can, you know, let this thing um, spin out of control. But And that's why I think the mental side is going to be that much more important to help them regulate the anxiety that's cropping up, and it cropped up yesterday. You saw uh, Bowles talking about how he's just tired of losing. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I thought for Garrett Bowles, that was one of the great uh, yeah. uh, statements. I mean, Bowles is a Mr. Positivity aren't, guy. Who right. aren't familiar, here's the quote. Shh, shh. And you can guess what the next oh, few yeah. letters are, right? Yeah. Tired of losing, man. I've been here seven years. And all I've done is lose. Yeah. And I understand that because, I mean, the last winning season was our Super Bowl season. And so for well, him. the last playoff year was. Yeah. Nine and seven and yeah. 16. But they finished two and four. Right. But my point is, is it's not a culture and a climate of high performance. Right. And, you know, changing of coaches. There's been some 
draft choices that have just, you know, quarterbacks that have just fallen through the cracks. There's been a lot of blunders here. Yes. And the only way they're going to get this straightened out is they got to understand, and, you know, Sean knows how to do this. He's done it before. But they really got to understand how to keep the players in check from the neck up, that emotional side, what we call the parasympathetic side of the autonomic, that's the calm, regulated side. Because if they pop over to the sympathetic side, which is where stress and anxiety live, then this team could lose uh, you know, double digits on a regular basis. I see it potentially happening. I hope it doesn't. But that's the challenge they're in facing right now. I want to ask you about the quote that is being recycled now more than ever. Mm-hmm. This is Sean Payton blaming Nathaniel Hackett completely for what <laughs> went wrong last year. And it uh, began in training camp. Uh, Jared Bell, the USA Today columnist, a friend of Payton's, um, asked Payton about Russell Wilson's struggles last season. And here's what Payton says. Oh, man, there's so much dirt around that. There's 20 dirty hands for what was allowed, tolerated in the freaking training rooms, the meeting rooms, the offense. I don't know, Hackett. A lot of people had dirt on their hands. It wasn't just Russell. He didn't just flip. He still has it. This BS that he hit a wall, shoot, they couldn't get a play in. They were 29th in the league in free snap penalties on both sides of the ball. Once the regular season began, Mike Sando writes in his pick six column today, Peyton's Broncos were the ones who couldn't get a play in. There was no blaming Hackett this time. Peyton, at least last week, shifted the blame to Wilson. There was less of the blame game that Peyton played after the game yesterday. Do you think it's occurred to Peyton that what he has said, and I'm asking you as the professional here, might have affected the players psychologically because it gave them an excuse for last year and maybe even for this year. Oh, we were screwed up by the guy who coached here. Our own head coach said so. Right. No, I think that's definitely a possibility. I think when you try to cover your butt, and there's a lot of that in this league, by the way. I mean, you see it in the draft every year. But there's a lot of people covering their you-know-what because they they want to buy another year. They want to buy another year in their contract and be able to understand in case we do start losing. I do think that Nathaniel Hackett did obviously did not necessarily have the structure, accountability, and discipline that he needed to have. But I also know that when you come in, I mean, Sean's been here since when? March? February? Oh, February. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's been here since February. You can establish a climate and a culture pretty quick and help – hold the players and the coaches accountable and start to turn this thing around. Again, you look at Russell Wilson again. I, I told you this at the end of the show last time, last week when I was on, um, and I'm not going to mention names, but I, you know what I consider the best quarterback coach in the league, he told me he looks at Russell Wilson and sees the same thing I do. He's just faced in his facial expressions, in his nonverbal communication. The guy does not have it anymore. He's not confident. He doesn't have a swag anymore. Can he make some good throws? Yeah. Can he make some good plays with his feet and extend plays? Yeah. But consistently, he's not the guy he was. It could be off the field stuff. It could be on the field. It could be a combination of things. But I think the the thing that Sean Payton needs to do as soon as possible is take accountability for what's going on and not try and you know blame the previous regime. Because when you do that, like you said, Sandy, you give – you give the players a green light to kind of take, you know, 
the the soft way through this thing. And I'll tell you what, it's going to take a, a monumental turnaround here in terms of their climate and culture for them to be accountable so they can be competitive and try and win some of these games. I want to ask you about something else to get your reaction to this. This is from Mike Sando uh, in The Athletic today. Russell Wilson was the empowered star in Denver last season. Narratives were bent in his favor. Can we all agree? I think so, At yeah. the expense of Hackett. Peyton is the Broncos' empowered star now. He has shaped public narratives accordingly. Does losing by 50 change any of that? There isn't much precedent. Peyton started 3-0 and with the Saints in 06 and made it clear he loved Drew Brees even after Brees suffered turnovers on three successive drives to open one game. The Broncos visit Chicago this week. The Bears have lost 13 in a row dating back to last season. Denver will presumably win. The Broncos play at home against the Jets in Week 5, followed by a trip to Kansas City for a Thursday night game in Week 6. Then there are 10 days before a home game against Green Bay and another against the Chiefs before a Week 9 bye. This comes from an unnamed executive. The best move for them could be to look at the draft. But here's the thing. Peyton could not stomach people thinking he is bad. If he were to tank, everyone will have to know, just like after the Washington game. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, um, you know, someone called me today and approached me about me, you know, working with the Broncos again. And it it doesn't matter who it is. Here's the thing. I'll probably – you know, exclude myself from that, what I'm about to say. <laughs> but, but you know, she, that he's right. Sean Payton, you can tell just from – I can see it from his nonverbals, being around him, the things he says. He comes from an insecure base on many levels. And he wants everybody to think he's a great coach. You know, that's what he wants everybody to think. Versus, wants the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Wants, well, wants I, that but, but you know, affirmation. But, you know, it, I'll go to, like, Gary Kubiak. Gary Kubiak – I don't know if he'll ever make the Hall of Fame. I doubt it as a coach, but he won a Super Bowl. Yeah. And the reason he won a Super Bowl, because he was humble. And the players knew he was humble. And they worked, they'd work hard for him, and they'd run through a wall for him. That's the kind of thing. You know, these players can smell a rat. They can smell a rat. I can tell you that. And I'm not saying Sean Payton is a rat, but I'm saying, Sean, quit covering your butt so much. Coach football. Coach your staff. Get them accountable. That's what's going to bleed off into these players so they can play – on that calm side, the parasympathetic of their autonomy, because that's what's going to regulate how well they play. What you saw yesterday was not a professional-level defense, and that tells me they were not operating fully physically on that autonomic nervous system that's the calm side. So just got to get back to square one fundamentals of holding yourself accountable, holding your staff accountable, and then that'll trickle down into the players. And when you do that, you have a fighting chance to play. You know, I've told you guys this before. The difference in talent between each team is not that much. You know, I know fans make a lot about talent, but it's more about playing together, playing for each other. And that defense out there was not playing together and playing for each other. That starts at the top. Okay. So how then midseason, I mean, you've talked about having the whole culture, the whole offseason to build the culture. Three games in, obviously that can fracture. But have you seen enough to believe that it can be gotten back Uh, if so how do you do it yeah definitely can the same leader get it back 
Yeah, the great thing about climate and culture is that it can we can decide at any moment to change our habits. We can decide at any moment to change the way we think, feel, and behave. That's what psychologists do. That's what performance psychologists do. You come in and help people with techniques and tools and protocols to help shape your thoughts, to help shape your your feelings, your mood, and then your behavior. So absolutely it can be done, but you got to be a student of the neck up. There's only about six coaches in the NFL that are really, truly students of the mental game. And until some of these guys take the time to learn this stuff, they're never going to perform at their peak levels unless they have that mental side of the game. So, you know, I, I'm not sure about Sean Payton and where he is with that. I've heard of where he's at, but they can, yeah, they can not necessarily turn it around, but they can improve it. Like I said, be competitive. Don't, I mean, what they put out there yesterday was, was not only – here, here's something, and you guys know I worked for the Dolphins back in 16 through 19. The, there were some players for the Dolphins that were embarrassed for the Broncos. They were literally going in the huddle and just saying, man, let's – When the know. Dolphins played the Broncos and didn't beat them like they beat them yesterday, but definitely beat them badly. Yeah. And humiliated yeah. them. Yeah, and, you know, and, it's, and it happened back in, I think, 17 when the Broncos came yes. down and played us in Miami exactly. when I was with the Dolphins. So – it's it, it can be turned around, Sean, but it's not going to be a 180. They got to turn that dial by 10 by 20 percent, mm-hmm. and then they can start that march. But yeah, I'm I'm I hope Vance, you know, can really get this thing turned around with his defense and ha- get those kids playing with passion and energy and flying around the field. That starts from the neck up. Your body doesn't decide to fly around. Your brain decides when you fly around, and then your body follows. Would three of those six coaches be Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, and uh, Mike Tomlin? <laughs> By uh, any chance? Yeah, 100%. They're, they're three of the six. 100%. Yeah. yeah, and Mike McDaniel's a marvel. He really is. You, you know, uh, The guy on the other sideline yesterday, <laughs> even in the decision he made late in the game, not to go for the record yeah. for all-time points. You know, I think I told you this. Just as a quick anecdote. I coached him in high school at Smoky Hill High School. I co- And I didn't even know it until somebody told me. And then I thought back, and I'm like, yeah, I He was that unassuming. <laughs> he didn't even remember. A little skinny wide receiver now. But, but yeah, it's a small world, and um, I wish him well. He's, he's a dynamic guy. He's got a bright future in this league. The Broncos uh, had an opportunity. didn't even choose to interview him when they had an opportunity to, to hire for Amazing. head coaches, which is kind Amazing. of remarkable given the – the background, but everyone seems to be with the Broncos. One of the challenges there, and maybe that's changed with ownership. That was even remotely attached to Mike Shanahan is persona non grata. Yeah, uh, that seems that, that seems to maybe have altered, given the including his own son and yep. uh, Mike McDaniel. And that, that seems to have changed with the ownership changing hands, perhaps, but too little, too late yeah. in this case. And now Sean Payton has a multi-year contract. He's very handsomely paid. He will outlast Russell Wilson. So. What are the – we focused on the positives because I think we like doing that on a, on a, on a Monday. But th- we know that this can sometimes go south. Russell Wilson is fighting for his career. We know that Sean Payton backed off this week but you know, tried to throw Wilson under the bus for the game last week. They're 0-3. Uh, Wilson is not going to be – I think he's certainly far better than what he was last year. I think he's even showing that. But I agree. At his age, I think it's going to be he can do things sometimes, not all the time. This will probably be, even though it would be very expensive, Russell Wilson's last year with the Denver Broncos because I think unless something remarkable happens, they will just simply eat a stunning amount of dead cat money and flip it around. If that's the case, how do you 
it is could you see this thing just blowing itself to smithereens? I mean, you're talking about toxicity in a locker room, problems between the coach and the quarterback. Uh, Russell Wilson does it like many teams. He has friends in the locker room. He has some guys that maybe wish he wasn't the quarterback. He has a lot of guys that are happy he's the quarterback. We've seen locker rooms break apart for less. When teams are losing, when you have a coach that is very much uh, le tasse moi, right. you know, Sean Payton yeah. is the Denver Broncos yeah. now, yeah. Uh, we can see a situation where those things go bad. What would be the signs over the next couple of weeks that, uh-oh, we haven't even hit rock bottom yet? Right. Well, here's here's what needs to happen. Who's who's the verbal, vocal, and visual leader on that defense? Okay. Is it Simmons? I've no. Is it Sertain? I mean, somebody's got to step up and be a leader. Somebody's got to step up. Sertain, be- to be honest, did not look like a leader yesterday. No. No, I and mean, by he's the way, chasing Robbie Chosen, the former Robbie Anderson, yeah. and at the end of beaten cleanly, and this is supposed to be the best cornerback in the league, uh, the first three weeks he's been far from that. Well, and, and again, I hate to be a guy who comes in and says, told you so, told you so. There's no such thing as a lockdown corner. That's a facade. I mean, that shows you exactly right there. There's no such thing. That Robbie Chosen could beat him clean. Well, you can get beat on any given play, just right. depending on angles and things right. like that. But but the point that, that I'm making is – that the Broncos need leadership. They need leadership on defense. They need verbal and vocal leadership. The leadership we had in 2015, that Super Bowl season, was DeMarcus Ware. It was Danny Trevathan, Brandon Marshall, um, you know, and, and then a little bit Vaughn. Vaughn was starting to come out of his shell. And and, and, and the defensive backs, too. Oh, yeah. Aqib Tlaib, are you kidding me? You talk uh, about vocal leadership. Oh, my gosh. You know, <laughs> you know here, here's an example. I'll tell you something that happened in practice that year. There was one time we acquired – I can't remember the safety's name. He's a backup. Um, he, he, he was – I don't know, but he was a backup. He comes into practice. It was in the middle of the season, and we're running through reps, and Aqib apparently, you know, thought he was not going full speed, and he verbally undressed him. He says, when we work out here, we go full speed. And he goes, I don't know where you came from, what you do, but we go full speed here. You need verbal, vocal leadership like that. And it's got to come from somewhere, whether it's Simmons, Sertan, uh, jo- Josie, one of those inside linebackers, somebody's got to be a leader and say, look, guys, stop this little petty crap of not liking our quarterback, not thinking he's this, not thinking this, making fun of his hairdo, making fun, and let's play football. And that's, that goes back to Vance, too, though. Vance has got to lead that room. Right. Vance has got to get that defense together and say, look, you guys are professionals. I'm a professional. Let's stop being petty with each other, and let's play football, be accountable, structure, and discipline. Accountability, discipline, structure is undefeated, and especially on defense. And if they can get themselves back there, they have a chance to at least be competitive the rest of the season. Um, before I let you run, um, just a quick question on CU. If you were up there working with those kids, um, it wasn't 70 to 20, but it was 35 to nothing at the half. Right. It was, it was for a half as close to a beatdown as the Broncos. They had 11 yards at halftime. They had 11 yards yards at halftime. What (laughs) would you say to those kids and what would you say to those coaches? Well, first of all, I'd get rid of the throne. I'd get rid of all the rap stars and, and stars and rock and everybody on the sidelines. That's a distraction. We're going to go back. He, he calls himself an old-school coach. Yeah. Then live that. Be that accountability structure and discipline. He needs to be that this week. Yeah, he? get get rid of all the of the, the all distractions the external. Yeah. yeah, you know, and just get back to fundamental football. I think Dion's a good person. I think Dion 
is a decent coach. I don't think he's a great coach. I just don't think he has the back. I mean, he hasn't been coaching enough years. He doesn't understand all the ins and outs of culture and its impact on performance. But you got to get rid of all those distractions. That's just not going to fly. And, you know, hey, you know I know a lot of people in the coaching world. There's a bounty. There's like beat them by as much as you can. Yeah. I mean, people, coaches are telling with each other, oh, you got them this week? Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll show them. You know, when, when, when I can't know the head guy in Oregon, when he says, you know, the, the, the Cinderella story's over. I mean, there's more to this now. And the thing about Dion, what he said the other day, he says they're trying to beat me and not my team. Yeah, and you yeah. don't want that. Yeah, you want yeah, it to I, be. I agree. He, he tried. I think he tried as hard as he could not to make it about him, but he sort of did. He sort of did. And he said, "You better." He didn't say, "You better get us now." He said, "You better get me now." Right. Right. Because again, um, again, what's the name? I thought Will, that was a mistake. What's the guy? Wilbon. Um, Michael Wilbon. You know who said? Yeah. He said, "This is about Dion. It's about his kids that have the name on his jersey." I just wear – where's Dion going to be in three years? You know, he didn't even know Hank Zelinka's name, his starting center, true freshman out of Cherry Creek High School who I know very well. You know, this guy snaps the ball to your son. And centers and quarterbacks spend two periods every day doing exchanges. Snaps, exchanges, and you don't know his name? Uh, that, that to me is not a coach that is in, in you know, really engulfed in the – the humanness of his team. The greatest coaches in the world treat their players like people first. Not 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 warriors, not gladiators, but they let them know they're people. We value as people. They will run through a wall for you when you treat them like people as opposed to, oh, we got to make them tough. We got to make them accountable. Sure, but treat them like people. Call them by their name. Ask them how their mom's doing. Ask them how their family's doing because when you value a player, a football player as a person first, you have just empowered them to go out and put those pads on and run through a wall for me. I've seen it done. We did it here in 2015. He is Dr. Rick Perea. The website is think14u.org. That's the number, think14, the number 4u.org. Come check it in every uh, Monday for the checkup with the neck of. But this week, uh, we get a lot more of you. Well, we got. You coming back tomorrow? Yeah, and on Sweet. Wednesday and on Thursday. That's Sean right. Will be for off. even a while, yeah, for even a larger one, I'm going to be traveling, and so you're going to sit in. Uh, you could probably presumably sit over here, so you can see. Danny. And there you I'm, go. I'm going to make Rick Berea stay in here and listen to this. It'll make him very uncomfortable <laughs> because uh, we're going to talk about, uh, in my view, the best performance psychologist in the business, and I've known uh, Dr. Perea for a decade plus now. Uh, he's the best. You get your checkup from the neck up from Dr. Rick Perea on Mental Mondays every Monday at 5 p.m. As you've heard him today, he is the former psychologist, as you know, the world champion Denver Broncos from 2015. The Colorado Rockies immediately preceding their two-year run as a playoff team in the National League. And, of course, uh, at one point for the world champion Denver Nuggets. Dr. P also helps middle and high school performers to reach peak levels. Whether you're an everyday performer at work, at play, or at school, call Dr. P today at 720-287-0933. That's 720-287-0933. Or look them up at Dr. P at thinkoneforyou.org. That's the number four, thinkoneforyou.org. Or he's improved my mental health, and he'll do the same thing for you. Thank you, Dr. Perea. Thank you, We'll fellas. see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow, brother. Four o'clock. I'll see you here.
Yeah, look forward to it. With all the downer stuff, with the make sure to save a little time to preview the Rockies' hundredth loss tomorrow night against the Dodgers. No, it's actually <laughs> tomorrow afternoon. You're and right. That disappoints oh, me. Oh, right. Because I told a few friends of mine. But maybe you'll get to call all alive. Go out. Let's go all out for the one hundredth loss. But then it's an afternoon game tomorrow, and I will be otherwise occupied. Well, because it'll be a doubleheader tomorrow, split doubleheader. So if the Rockies were to somehow pull a rabbit out of the hat and win the early one, you could, I could go to the nightcap. You could get the nightcap. Couldn't I? You yeah. could. I mean, they'd have to win the first one. You know, who knows? Yeah, I don't like the chance. Uh, it's, it's, by the way, it's the, the Dodgers in town. They Dodgers almost have 100 wins. But, uh, yeah, so I'm going to miss, I'm gonna miss yeah. that history live. Sitting right now. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Well, thanks, Dr. Rick. Looking forward to, thanks, to hearing it this week. And uh, appreciate the time. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. This will be an interesting thing to unpack, Sandy, because, look, uh, there is no way around it. There's no way to dance around it. And to his credit, Deion Sanders did not dance around it. But uh, Colorado got clobbered. Like we, like we just talked about Dr. Rick, they had 11 net yards at, yeah, at, at halftime. Half it right. was a disaster of epic proportions they were never in the game at any point whatsoever uh and it, it was it was an embarrassing performance they were expected to lose and it, quite frankly they were expected to lose badly we said right here yes. they would be lucky to cover and they were three oh, touchdown absolutely. underdog absolutely uh, they were still beaten more badly than that i mean i think all of us could have assumed that oregon would score north of 40 points yes. what we didn't necessarily is the buffs count on Nestor, a garbage time buffs- tv being completely inept on offense, unable to protect the quarterback, and frankly, uh, the quarterback uh, holding the ball too, too long, long, trying to make something out of nothing and taking some huge losses. Uh, and, you know, not that Shadour was going to win the Heisman, uh, though he played like a strong candidate the first three weeks, but uh, I think probably Saturday, with a lot of eyeballs on that game, uh, took him out of... Heisman consideration for this year. Uh, perhaps uh, you can take another run at it uh, next year. But uh, for this year, I think it's uh, going to come down to the guy we'll see playing for USC on Saturday. Yes. And the guy we won't see, at least playing against Colorado this year, and that is Penix of Washington, who is send uh, Who right now I think would be, uh, yeah, if he's not there, he should be. And I think, and he, ha- I think he has Washington as a dark horse stamp in national championship. Washington. Game. I think we'll be in the college football. Play. I, I, I agree. With Washington you. is the best team in the Pac-12, and I would say Utah would be right there if Utah had its starting quarterback. Of course, you, you may have heard on Saturday the uh, and I I always love this. I mean, I'm I, I'll, we'll let Deion speak for it. Uh, Oregon was the better team. They were better top to bottom. They absolutely deserved to steamroll the Buffs, which they did. But there's still some hypocrisy in the way you win. Here was absolutely. head coach Dan Lanning. Prior to the game, knowing, by the way, that ESPN cameras were in the room. Yes. Rooted in substance, not flash. Rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment. 
The Cinderella story is over, man. Right? They're fighting for clicks, we're fighting for wins. There's a difference. Right? There's a difference. Right? This game ain't gonna be played in Hollywood, it's gonna be played on the grass. Right? It's gonna be played on the grass. And let's go. That's what a coach does when he's a three touchdown underdog. Not when he's a three touchdown favorite. And I know that you know, your idea as a coach is to get the players uh, up for the game. Listen, whether they were up or flat or down, whatever, they were going to win that game. They're a much better team on every level. And they're a deeper team. And he's a a good coach, but he's a punk coach. And he's a hypocrite. And, you know, all his whining about, I thought George Carl on X had the best reaction, uh, somewhat in support of Deion Sanders, but also a criticism of uh, Lamine, he said he'll, he'll go right back to being anonymous, especially on October 14th when Washington cleans their clock, which they will. And it, some of it, I'm like, first, you know, okay, angry Michael Buble, do whatever you right. want to do. He's but the last the, angry uh, What's at, angry? at the same time, your players are wearing, and I, I kid you not, your players are wearing heat-sensitive color-changing cleats. As you told them that, bull, mm, you're not fighting for clicks. Of course you are. You're at the University of Oregon. Harder for their quarterback to win the Heisman than any advertisement of Bo Nix on a building in Los Angeles, not Oregon, Los Angeles. You have 18 million uniform combinations, and their shoes change color. You're talking about not wanting clicks, bull. You're angry that the team that was not as good as yours was getting more clicks than you. That's, that's, that's what you're angry about. Not fighting. Right. You weren't fighting. You, the thing is, you were fighting for clicks and losing, and you got a chapped hide about it. And it got under your skin, and it bugged you. And here's the problem. There's reason. There's a couple things to that that matter. And one, first, Dan Lanning, it's hypocritical. You're fighting for clicks, too. In fact, you know what? We're all fighting for clicks. It's 2023. Everybody. Everybody. Your players, you as a coach, Sandy and me, everybody is fighting for clicks. The people who go on social media and post what they had for lunch, hoping someone will like the picture of their sandwich. So stop with that nonsense of you're not fighting for clicks. Of course you are. You were angry you weren't getting as many. And here's why he's angry about it. And this is the one thing that I think people at times, I get, you know, okay, the big show at CSU, and it kind of backfired because it ended up being too close of a game for the Buffs having, you know, Migos and Okay, fine. But here's the thing that people are missing about that. That would be fine if Deion Sanders was just going to be a head coach. Right now, to build the University of Colorado up, he has to be more than a head coach. He has to be a recruiter. And you know how you win recruiting? With clicks. Again, it's 2023. You're going after 17, 18-year-old kids. So what Deion is doing, and and in the end, Dan Lanning knows it, you are getting out-recruited by Deion Sanders, and it's ticking you off. He's a big personality, and Dan... Lanning has no personality. Like I said, angry Michael Buble. Looks just like him. Unconventional. I don't know if he sings as well, but. Which has its ups and its downs. It does. But right now. It's the only way to go for a team that went 1-11 last year. And Deion Sanders said this a few months ago. 
maybe not using these exact words, but big time college football is about brand building and the balance sheets. What major college football is? He's not wrong. And the the problem is Dan Lanning is accustomed as one of the Pac-12 powers. When, uh, and quite frankly, they're a team that goes with speed and and spread offenses and things like that too. The kind of wide receivers that Dan Lanning was used to calling and going, oh, well, I'm definitely going to come to Oregon. You have all these cool, we can, I can get color-changing cleats, and you have a really cool facility, and you're always ranked in the top 25. You'll definitely come to Oregon. Problem is, all those guys he's calling now, now all of a sudden he never had to worry about the University of Colorado calling those guys, and now he does. And now he's the one playing catch-up to Deion Sanders when it's talking about getting those same recruits, and it ticked him off. Well, you know what? Good And good for him. You had the better team. And you showed it, and you are more than welcome to talk to all those recruits and say, hey, you saw what happens when those teams played. Ours are better. You should come here and and enjoy your win. You Somebody deserve it. Text but me. stop pretending it was about anything else than the fact that you're upset that on the recruiting side of it, Deion Sanders is running circles around you, and quite frankly, over their coach in college football, yeah. And it's bugging. And, 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 listen, and some and, take it personally and some don't. Oregon's probably going to have a better team. This guy it took it personally. Year, next year, too, they will. Yeah, they will. They run a good program. And I had someone over the weekend text me and say, well, Utah is going to do the same thing to him, run up the score. I don't think so. Utah is 23-6 and six over the past two calendar years. That's better than Clemson. That's better than Notre Dame. And, yes, it's better than Oregon by a fair amount. And the only schools Utah trails in that period of time are the two-time national champions from Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Alabama. That's it. That's the list. That's the program that understands that you do a little bit of everything. Over the last few years. And they are yeah. well-coached. And they're a better program than Oregon. Is. Actually, I would argue that until Caleb Williams came to, came to town, they were a better program of late than USC. Well, I think they'd been the I, class I, of the Pac-12 for the I, last couple years. I would argue years. that even now. I, 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 the one thing they don't have is their starting quarterback. They still beat UCLA. They still have the best defense in the Pac-12 by a country mile. It's better than Oregon's. It's certainly better than USC's defense. It's probably better than Washington's defense even. And the only reason that they aren't going to win the Pac-12 this year is that their starting quarterback is going to miss most, if not all of the season, it seems. So they have to scratch out wins like they did the other day against UCLA, 14 to seven UCLA was no better against Utah than Colorado was against Oregon. The idea of course that, you know, Deion Sanders is uh, it's arrogant and it this put the buffs in their place and all that sort of nonsense. Right. Besides the, the coded language behind that. But, but I want to give, Deion Sanders the opportunity to respond before we have to break. You heard Landing talking about that, knowing the ESPN cameras were filming. You had Landing at halftime flat out saying he was looking forward to running up the score. Yes. Saying everyone's been watching me flat and flat out. Of course these things got back to and Deion he, Sanders. Right. This is how Deion Sanders, Mr. Supposedly right. Arrogant, yeah. all about it. This is how he started his press conference. It's a good old-fashioned butt-kicking. No excuses, no nothing. Um, their coaches did a heck of a job preparing their team. Obviously, we didn't. That was good. I mean, that was a really good old-fashioned butt kicking. Uh, we went into the game wanting to dominate several, wanting to dominate several phases. 
Um, we lost offensively, defensively, as well as special teams. That fake punt kind of kind of got them really rolling, and uh, they didn't stop um, ever since they secured that first down. Well-coached team. Uh, Bo Nix played his butt off. Defensively, they presented some things that I guess we just couldn't get around. We couldn't advance the ball rushing or uh, throwing the ball as well. Seemed like they had our number. But hats off to their coaching staff, to their head coach. Great job, and they're truly prepared. And uh, had the game gone the other way, and I know it was far from that. <laughs> right? It was not, but yes, <laughs> nor was it going to. Do you think Landing would have sounded the like Oregon that? The Oregon coach never would have been gracious about it. He would have had all the excuses in the world lined up. And the last thing he would have done is give any credit to CU, which, uh, you know, it always mystifies me. You run down the other team. But then you act like beating them. Yeah, like, like it means well, something, just right? Down, you just said they so weren't they, all that good anyway. Any so good. they were just a Hollywood Shouldn't show. you clobber them? And and so I've never figured you're that actually either. diminishing the impact you're, of, of your, your own, own team's win. win. Right. I've never figured that either. People, uh, it always cracks you up. People do that. The, the only coach who came unhinged that way, I thought, was Ryan Day of Ohio State. Maybe he had good reason because I did go back and look at Lou Holtz, who who is to me. Um, one of the phoniest people I've ever been Thank around you. in sports. Uh, Lou is just a bad guy. You're one of the few people that actually doesn't guy. look at me sideways and, and when I say listen, that. Listen, I've had Lou Holtz on, on shows before, and I'm respectful because he, he, he's a good college coach. He's a very bra- bad NFL coach, uh, uh, probably too inexperienced when he went to the NFL, but he was na- the Nathaniel Hackett of his time as an NFL head coach. He was no better than Nathaniel Hackett as an NFL head coach. So he starts to talk about the good old days when he was an assistant under Woody Hayes at Ohio State and how physical their teams were and they won a national championship. He said Ryan Day's teams are soft and that's why they get beat in bowl game. Well, no, they get beat by better teams. Uh, <laughs> you know, and Lou Holtz probably believes, he's another coach who thinks teams win because of him. And, uh, because they're just tougher and better people on on his side than exist on the other side. I know he didn't invent Catholics versus convicts, but he certainly didn't demand a retraction, as it were, back in the day. The Buffaloes, of course, will take on Southern Cal, and they have another very heavy lift in front of them. But the Broncos... Um, do not. In fact, um, I, I don't have to take a, a big look at advance at the week four schedule for the NFL, but I know that the Broncos and Bears are the worst game on it. How do they look to regroup? If the, We talked about running it down. If they win, does it really mean anything? We'll talk about it next on Mile High Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Your program as well, 303-831-1340 is the text line. Danny Bailey in the booth has a couple. What have you got, Danny? Yes, uh, man of the people would like to know, hey, Sandy, is Notre Dame the most overrated football team ever? No, of course not. I, I kind of like They're not even the most overrated team. football team this year. That's oh, Florida State. Not. 
Florida State probably is a little bit overrated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were very lucky uh, the other day. And they were lucky against coming back and Tennessee week before yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, okay. uh, but uh, you know, good for them. I I like their coach, uh, uh, but I like the Notre Dame coach. Uh, uh, he admitted uh, finally that uh, they probably should have had uh, eleven men on the field instead of ten at the yeah, end of the game the, the other night, but. Uh, they were playing a better team, supposedly a higher ranked team, and yeah, I know they were playing at home, but uh, no, I don't. Notre Dame doesn't strike me as one of those teams that's uh, overrated. I mean, they're they're ranked, uh, yeah, they're ranked ninth. Uh, they they lost a three point. No, they're yeah. no, I don't. Uh, think I mean, so. I I think they're fine. I'm I'm looking at uh, the team. I, I'll tell you, is overrated, and who got skunked as badly as CU did. But the coach is white. He's an institution in uh, Iowa City, and he will never be criticized locally or nationally, and that's Kirk Ferentz, uh, who, the last I looked, has never won a championship at Iowa and has the most boring offense in college football year after year for a supposedly top-flight program. And you talk about a school that had no business in the top 25. They were at a 24th, and then Penn State beat him 31 to nothing, and the game wasn't nearly that right. close. Uh, they were beaten as badly as Colorado was beaten by Oregon. Uh, that's an overrated program. Yeah. And perhaps uh, if the allegations that have come through in recent years are correct, uh, one that uh, if you're uh, a black family, gifted athlete, probably not sending him to play for Kirk Ferentz at Iowa. I was, uh, yeah, that obviously they've they've fallen out. To me, the, the overrated team is Florida State. I know they're four and zero, but they're very they're very lucky to be better than two and two. And you know, who knows? Yeah, but and the number five. We had a the clarification. Country. It was uh, he followed up in history. Ooh, the no. most overrated oh, team in no. history. The no, problem is they've no, won. They, they, as much they, as I would won. love to personally say yes, of they've course won. not. They've won plenty. Now, now they had if they have overrated coaches, yeah, but yeah. Heck, Dan Devine won a national championship. At yeah, the they're, I mean, as a, hist- as a historical program, right. they're one that's, of the best ever. That's, uh, <laughs> I mean, as Tony much- Kornheiser Come on now. Uh, has said on ESPN and uh, in his years writing for the Washington Post and uh, Newsday, uh, the University of College Football. It, it is. And, um, you know, they have hired minority head coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as many as CU has hired, but no one nobody has hired no. as many as CU No one has as many as CU has. What else did you have, Danny? Yep. Uh, hey, Sean and Sandy, it's a much bigger problem than Vance Joseph. It's an organizational right. and player personnel problem. A lot of these players on the Broncos are overhyped. Yep. There's no accountability in this organization. Broncos need to blow it up and hire a GM and coach that are in lockstep. There is an identity problem in this organization and the product on the field. They need to blow up the front office, identify talent, uh, get better scouts who know how to do that. This team hasn't been consistent with draft and developing players since Bolin was the owner and Adam Peters was the head scout. Well, Adam Peters is the key name and all of that. Right. And um, there's a lot of truth. I'm not suggesting that there's a quick fix because the uh, with the Broncos down through the years, uh, you know, 16 through 23, apparently, is an absolute obsession with a quick fix, right? Sean Payton, quick fix. He'll turn it around overnight. Russell Wilson, quick fix. Every time the Broncos have a bad year, which is every year for the last seven years now, Mm -hmm. pretty much, well, we can can fix it. 
we can fix it. One hire will fix it. One trade will fix it. One free agency signing will fix it. One draft will fix it. They're into the quick fix. But the first move they need to make is to hire and empower fully Adam Peters, with John Lynch now having signed, along with Kyle Shanahan, new long-term contract extensions with the San Francisco 49ers. Adam Peters is the best general manager uh, who is not a general manager currently in the National Football League. He is ready. He has been interviewed by a multitude of teams down through the years. The 49ers keep him by uh, uh, giving him raises every year and saying, you can do better, you can do better, you can do better. And uh, he he loves it here. He loved his time here. His wife loves it here. And he would be the man not only to hire, but to empower, regardless of whether Sean Payton is that coach or not. And I wouldn't care if Sean Payton accepted that or not. Sean Payton worked uh, for uh, Mickey Loomis, who he calls his best friend in life, uh, in New Orleans. Loomis was a general manager. I like that idea. Uh, You bring in Adam Peters. Adam Peters is easy to work with. Sit the guys in the room and say, figure it out. That's how it is. That's right. But Adam Peters runs the show, and the Broncos have a chance to get out of this hole. Otherwise, frankly, they don't, with or without George Payton, with or without Sean Payton. How about this number to leave you all with? Uh, I mean, you know, you you and I could have maybe done some of this, Sandy. The Broncos, out of the top 22 players in the NFL in missed tackles, that's 32 teams, right? Yeah. In theory, if it it just ran at an average, every two-thirds of the team would have one, and we would have nobody. The Broncos have five. Five of the top 22 players in missed tackles. They have three of the Who top are they? 11. Uh, Nick Benito and Delaron Del- Turner-Yell have four each. That's yeah. tied for 22. Damari Mathis has five. That's tied for 11. Right. Alex Singleton has six. That's tied for six. Oh, the tackling machine, yeah. you mean? And Isang Bassi has seven tied for second worst yeah. in the NFL. And also Off. worth noting, exactly the report on rookie Drew Sanders, who you might as well play anyway, but... Drew Sanders. Uh, Drew Sanders played very bad. Drew Sanders has already missed three yeah. tackles in a total of 48 snaps. Right. His missed tackle rate via pro football focus, Sandy, 75%. Yeah. And the, the, everything that everyone talked about Sanders, he makes, mm-hmm. and I, I said it right here. He runs fast. He makes the big mm-hmm. plays once he learns how to make the standard normal plays. Well, that's Then right. he'll take off. Frankly, that's why he hasn't played. I'd still play him. Uh, well, now you got he's to not lose. the only guy missing tackles, you and you got nothing. To and lose they did by play him more than they played yeah. uh, uh, Jewel in this one. You know, last, wow, Jewel got hurt. Yeah, Jewel ends up. Jewel so, so Sanders comes in and, and plays there last week. You know, they singleton went down, so who, who knows? I mean, it's it's a bad spot, and it's going to be a bad spot for the Broncos to try to get out. The funny thing is, I, I'll just say this because I'm, I'm going to be out for a couple next couple days. Doctor Rick Pre is going to sit in with me, but folks, the Broncos could be three and two in two weeks. Don't be. Well, wait a minute. They're on three. Now. I probably they're two, and three. two and three. Two and three. But they could be two and three, no. and and all the news be like, "Up, oh, see, they turned it around." Yeah. I, Don't uh, be fooled. Well, they that, probably will the be two and three. Next two games will be uh, ones to watch. I think they'll right? be two uh, and three. I think they'll. Oh boy, they'll be thrillers. Yeah, the Jets, the, the Jets and the Jets and the Bears. Worst. Probably the three worst teams in the league, teams along with the New York Giants right now. About that, I I, I think I think you got the worst. The wor- my worst team list would be Denver, Chicago, and Carolina for sure, and we could debate the fourth. Yeah, it might be Minnesota. Minnesota's zero and three, but Kirk Cousins pretty good. But they they could be two and three in in a couple of weeks, and think it's turning around. Don't don't, don't if fall the for Jets that. somehow 
trade for Kirk Cousins. You yeah. come in here with Kirk Cousins, oh, a quarterback, they'll whip the Broncos. Yeah. And anyway, it won't matter because uh, remember on October 12th. And by the way, they whipped him with Zach Wilson last year. You get the uh, Chiefs in KC. Let me tell you what that's going to look like already. So yeah. it, this yeah. has been a uh, Thursday night football. Um, I was It'll about be to say it's thrill. been fun. It's been um, informative. Yeah, informative. It's been an informative day on uh, on, a, on a football reaction Monday. I don't know if you can have an overreaction Monday because I think we actually the appropriate reactions to uh, the, the team up in Boulder getting sandblasted and the NFL team losing in completely historic fashion. So well, we found out Colorado's flawed and. And the Broncos. If you needed more yeah. evidence, the Broncos were good to are begin bad with. and maybe historically bad. Yeah, that's terrible news, but that's the reality of it. Thanks to Danny Bailey in the booth. He makes everything work. Thanks to you for listening. However you're listening, appreciate it. Sandy Clough, of course, uh, will be here all week. I'll miss the next couple of days, but Dr. Perea will set in. So hopefully I won't, uh, you know, Wally pip myself, but we'll see how that goes. So hopefully I'll be, hopefully I will see y'all on Friday, but Sandy will definitely be back here until then. For Sandy Clough and Danny Bailey, I'm Sean Drotar. We'll catch you next time, but hopefully you keep it right here on My Life Sports. I suffocate right before I'm about to drown. She was such a